are heard daily on Bible School Radio 91.3, KDKR, Decatur, Dallas-Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, as a leader, are you all in? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, as a leader, are you all in? Well, author and consultant Lisa Daniels is here to discuss what it means to be all in. She is the author of The Human Edge Advantage, Mastering the Art of Being All In. Lisa, welcome to Prudent Money. Great. Thank you, Bob. I'm so happy to be here with you today. You know, I was thinking about our, our talk today, and I was thinking about events that have happened that have totally changed the landscape of, uh, you know, finances, of culture, of many different things, forcing changes in the way that people go about things. You know, we had the financial crisis in 2008 was a big one. Of course, the pandemic and COVID, that was huge. I would have, you know, I think about the, uh, the that, that this has got to create an urgency of change amongst leaders, but at the same time, I would imagine that uh, more people are fighting the change versus going with it. I mean, what are you seeing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it goes beyond leaders, and I think that's what's so exciting is that, you know, when we talk about are you all in, it's not just about how the leader needs to lead differently but it's also how the employee needs to show up and how they need mm. to take ownership and step into their personal power and self-author their life. Like one of the things I think of, you know, when you, when you talk about prudent money, you think about, wow, if people just understood compound interest, you know, we would have a lot, a lot more people being well off in the world, right? So we have to take ownership of what we want to do in our lives um, and show up in a different way. And that's one of the one of the key concepts of the book. You know, in the title of the book, what do you mean by being all in? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And it's really composed of three key areas. Um, the first one is, is about self, really connecting to yourself and integrating every single part of yourself. And what do I mean by that? I mean, do you have that self-awareness to be able to master your, the interactions you have with people in your life? Are you a bit, do you have that ability to self-author? And do you really, can you unlock your own potential? And we do that. One of the ways we do that is by mastering our mind, mastering our emotions, and knowing we have this incredible destiny of shaping our own lives. You know, let's, let's talk about one big change that has occurred, which I, I am shocked is still going on, which is remote working. You know, uh, yeah. how do you how do you advise companies? I know that you do a lot of that. What how do you advise companies to adapt and accept what appears to be here for good? Yeah, so I you know the, the, the and this really speaks to the second part of being all in. So thanks for that little um, <laughs> intro. The next one is around connecting to others. And when we work in offices, we're so used to it. We have a real privilege of being able to grab a coffee with someone, go to lunch with someone. So that need to connect in a meaningful way is so much easier. 
And when leaders are remote, it requires leaders to be much, much more attuned to how they hear uh, the words somebody says, or can they sense if somebody's stressed out, or do they have something personal going on? So we need to make an extra added effort for that personal connection. And when you have people joining on a, on a Teams call where there's multiple people, the chance for chit-chat actually feels awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> so we need, to, we need to, you're laughing, right? But we yeah. need to find ways because it, it feels like you're a little bit in that, um, what was that old game where everybody on the TV oh, was in the yeah. square? I know, I, know what what you're talking, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Right, and it feels a little bit like that. So we have to put a little bit extra effort in um, to be able to do that because people want to authentically connect. And what's really interesting, when I wrote the book, I came across some interesting research that said we're really having a loneliness epidemic, which really started before COVID. The COVID mm. made it worse, where 33% of the world population is feeling alone and isolated. And we can't connect to other people until we connect to ourselves. And a lot of people were so, were so busy with social media, and of course we all do it because it's, the, it's what we do now, that sometimes we forget to how we feeling, what's our emotions, um, and then and then that allows us to connect to other people. But we we need to spend a little bit time more with ourselves and less with our devices. You know, I know that uh, you know, connection is is key, but how do you you prevent that feeling of seclusion from setting in? That feeling of being disconnected from from the company, from the purpose and the vision, that kind of thing. Yeah. So one of the one of the key elements is really making sure that as a leader, you're creating a sense of belonging and psychological safety where people can step in. That's one of the key areas. And one of the things that it's it's really strange and it sounds so simple, but for leaders, they really need to care about their people. Right. So so let me give you just a quick example from my own life uh, experience. So um, in the fall, one of my one of my colleagues was getting married, and it's a super exciting time for somebody. And she and she's so organized, and she had everything done beforehand. And she went to go get her first dress fitting. And when she was getting when she went to go pick up the dress, she realized that the the, the place where she bought her dress was out of business. And there was a little place next door that said, "Oh, we'll give you the dress, and but we need you to pay for it." without trying it on, without proper fitting. This is just not how it works when it comes to a wedding. And sure enough, she, she, was, she was in tears. The dress didn't fit. No one was taking accountability. So she, you know, I, I, and, I, and when I spoke with her um, on the phone, because she works virtual, you know, she was, it was the first time that I gave space for her to express how she was feeling, and she just literally broke down in tears. Mm. And, I, you know, and it's just this moment of caring where I said, you know, I validated her experience and her emotions. And then I said, you need what you need to do tomorrow to take care of the dress because the wedding was only one month away. You write about... So, so it's, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say, you know, so we, we underestimate the caring because once I was able to just listen to her and, and hold the space for her in an authentic way... Then she was able to very quickly figure out how to get the dress to work. In the end, it did work for her, and the other people did help her get the job, the, the, get the dress fixed. So she had a beautiful wedding, and she looked amazing. But that's part of being caring. Like, I could have been like, well, I don't care about your dress, you know, and you just need to get your work done. 
And some leaders do act like that. But that's not, but if we want to make people feel, go the extra mile and be all in, then we have to put skin in the game as leaders. We have to care about the people that work for us. Lisa's book is named, it's called The Human Edge Advantage, Mastering the Art of Being All In. You can get more information by going to human-edge.com. You write about the importance of being courageous. Talk about what you mean by courage in this context, and as well as, Lisa, why leaders have kind of a natural fear of being courageous. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's just leaders. I think it's actually people yeah, in general. Um, so so the, the interesting the word is, if you go back to the Latin, the word courage really comes from core, which means an open heart. And in order to live our lives with an open heart, it requires us to really step into who we are first and then step out into the world to be courageous and really not be afraid of judgment, not be afraid of, of other people um, telling us we're going down the wrong pathway. So it requires a lot. So, so I talk about in the book, I talk about these seven, six leaps of courage that you need to do. And the first one is, is letting go of judgment and accepting. And a lot of that is we judge others because we judge ourselves so harshly. So that's one. The other one is we need to confront our shadow side. All of us have had challenges in our lives. It's part of the human experience, but we need to look at what are the parts of ourselves that we want to hide and we don't want to show people. Then we need to, once we understand what those shadow sides, we need to take off the mask. We need to say, okay, you know, this was a great coping mechanism from childhood, but it doesn't help me anymore uh, to be my best self. And then the, the other thing is to pursue what really matters, right? What is it like? Not what you want to do or what other people do, tell you to do, but where do, can you bring your superpowers to really make a difference in the world? That, and it doesn't have to be on a massive scale. It could be in your community, in your neighborhood, in your company. But we have to think about what do we care about and how does it tie into our purpose? And then we need to be uncomfortable. And people don't like being uncomfortable. So we have to dare to be uncomfortable. And the last one is we need to dare to care. And that, that is really so this notion of being courage, courageous is, are we comfortable? Or can we step into our own skin? And do we even know what that is? Because we get so socialized by everyone around us about who we should be or what we could be, rather than really taking that time to dream ourselves. You know, you talking about being uncomfortable. You, you write about uh, how we spend most of our time in our comfort zone and not take risks. You also write that we need to be 80% in our comfort zone and 20% in your, what you call, stretch zone. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, the, the 80% in your comfort zone is where do you feel really strong that you can contribute and you have great capability? And then the 20% is what's uncomfortable, but it's still with the right encouragement and the right effort uh, and the right focus you can grow and develop in that space. Because I don't want people to feel like they're so, so so far out of their comfort zone, it feels like a car crash every day. Like I was um, coaching a woman one time, and she took a new job, and she was 60% out of her comfort zone. And she was so burnt out by the end of the year. So we have to be careful that we're stretching ourselves because that will allow us to continually to grow. But we don't want to go into what we call the fear zone, because the fear zone, what it does is it creates a response in the brain, and then our brain narrows, and we can't function well. 
So it produces what we call an amygdala hijack, and then we can't even use the gifts we have. So we want to make sure we're finding that right stretch where it, it's, it's, it's like arm's length away, but it's still not super scary. Yeah, and that's, that's why I brought that up, because I, I think it's very important to put in some emphasis on this, because there's so many books uh, authors will write and talk about, uh, you, need to get, you, get, you need to get completely out of your comfort zone, and that's just never felt right. And I like no, the, it's not right. I like the concept of twenty percent. I think that's a, that's a yeah. great concept. The name of the book is "The Human Edge Advantage: Mastering the Art of Being All In" by Lisa Daniels. If you want more information, human dot uh, human dash edge dot com is where you would go. Okay, here's here's one that uh, I really wanted to to ask you about because it's it's an interesting dynamic that we're starting to see play out. And, uh, you know, the, of course, in the book, you talk a lot about human connection. How does artificial intelligence fit into your thesis of being all in? It's, you know, it's, it's such a great question, and it's such the topic of so many have, people have been asking me that recently. And, you know, a, you have to think of AI as how does it enhance your own capability, right? Because there's amazing, there's an explosion of AI tools right now that I actually think can put us back in our personal power if we use it correctly. Like, for example, if you think about ChatGPT, right? Well, if I use it correctly, I can be more productive. I can, maybe if I'm trying to do something on the side, it allows me to fulfill something that's very personal to me. So I think, it's, I think what we have to be careful of is that AI doesn't dehumanize us. So this is the one thing I have to, we have to be careful of. So one of the things at Human Edge that we've been talking about is how to use artificial intelligence to actually help people accelerate and grow. And when my team was exploring it, one of the things I said to them is, I don't want you to even touch things that dehumanize. Like, um, for example, um, Amazon was using um, AI to fire people. And I said, I don't want, I'm not interested in that at all. So I think this is where we have to be careful that we want to use AI where it can help enhance us. Like, for example, Microsoft Copilot, right, they say that it can save you one day a week. Now, wouldn't you like to get that back? Because I don't know about you, but I would like sure. to replicate myself and have one version going to the gym, the other version working, <laughs> the other one out on the ski, the ski slopes, right? Another one traveling, right? As long as they just have to sing together so right, that they're right. not fragmented. But I, mean, I, but I think that's really the key, and I, and I think we really are on a very unique position. Like if you asked me six months ago about AI, I would have told you, oh, I'm so glad I'm towards the end of my career and I don't really want to deal with this. <laughs> but then I said, no, but I'm being really honest. And then I started really getting digging in and listening to some of these um, podcasters who started talking about it. And then I got super excited. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, the, another interesting aspect of the book is, you know, you're talking about really a change of, of, of uh, leader, leaders who change the way they do things. They, they, mm. uh, they connect with their employees. They, they show more emotion. And I was just thinking, you know, there's, there's the old, we'll call that the new model. The old model is get the job done. I don't care about what's going on in your life. I want you to work uh, 16, 18 hours a day, and mm -hmm. uh, that's just it. Those are pretty hardcore CEOs, leaders, managers. I mean, how do you, as you know, you come in and you talk to a company, 
how do you get somebody to shift that paradigm? Because that's that's that is yeah. pretty ingrained. It's pretty ingrained, and I and I well, you know what's shifting it? I will tell you what's shifting it is that leaders in the past, with the more of the, what I call the power over model, which is which is dying, is that that is where few people have power, and then with the few people that power, they usually have power over information and knowledge. And the challenge is leaders today can't know everything. The world is changing too fast, and they have to rely on their experts now. They have to rely on their people um, that are high professionals and who are very good at what they do. And this is what's changing it, because the last part of the all-in, which we didn't quite finish, but now I can I can close the loop on it, is really about this co-creating possibility, that we have more challenges ahead of us that we don't know how to solve than then we do know how to solve. So by being able to get the collective wisdom of the teams, then we can then create these, we can create new solutions and new possibilities. So I think leaders are starting, I, I, I actually feel that leaders have started to shift at least some of the more, I would say probably up till 50, late 50s. They're already in that mindset. Um, I think it's more of maybe the, the next generation up, um, but they're going to, they're, they're exiting the workforce. So I don't worry about that so much. Yeah, you know, the way I look at it is it's a process. And, it is uh, a process. Yeah, so you say uh, leaders need to share power and employees need to embrace it. Talk a little bit about what Correct. that looks like. Yeah, so if I'm going to share power, it means I'm not going to make all the decisions. I'm going to uh, – so a good way, a great way I think about it is I call it setting the frame. So leaders who know how to do this well, they set the frame, which is where do I – what do I want you to explore? What's in? What's out? And then once I set the frame, which is the parameter of where I want you to play an experiment, then I let you fill in the frame. And that's really the most powerful thing. And the leaders that I work with, a lot of them, that's a very new concept to them about setting the frame. So, Because then if you know your playground, then it's easy to, because a lot of people get disenchanted and disappointed. And I know that I, when I worked at one particular company, we have this new project, we get all excited, and then it would it would really fall away, and then we kind of had to restart. But if, if we're really clear on what that frame is and establishing the boundaries, then it's super exciting for people because then they can bring their creativity. And I think the big difference is, is that people are so used to wanting to shine themselves that they, we use this concept, and I use this concept in the book called um, bring a brick, not a cathedral. But we always so want to shine that we want to bring the whole solution, and then there's really no place for other people to add to it. So it's really important that we, pl- we play that each person is bringing something unique, which then creates something that none of us expected in terms of a solution. It's really interesting. You talk about uh, a leader making a real impact in alleviating stress and anxiety among their team members. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of stress in, in the workplace. Yeah, I mean, I would think you've got to be extremely intentional about that, uh, going through that process. How, how do you advise a leader to do that? Well, one thing is that we forget as leaders that um, every, people are watching us at all times. And yes. in order for us to be a role model for that, we need to be what you mentioned intentional. We need to be intentional about don't watch what I say, watch what, you know, it's that old saying of Simon says, right? Watch what I, don't watch what I say, watch what I do. Um, and I think this is really an important element. And, and one of the key concepts here is, you know, some research that was done by Arthur Brooks, which is about happiness and about bringing more levity into the world. 
into the business world because I feel like sometimes we get so serious, right? And I was just working with a leadership team and it was really one of my favorite leadership teams to work with because they were having so much joy and fun together. And the thing is when we think about resiliency, right? Resiliency comes from authentic connection, right? So if you think about, Bob, the last time you spent time with someone that you really enjoyed their company, your emotional cup gets filled, right? Right. So that's one element. So team leaders need to leave time for team members to connect because they do, they will work hard, but they need to keep, they need to make sure that that is a key element. The other, the other key element is they need to set some boundaries. Like I know some leaders who try to work on this, they, they will set their emails that they don't go out on the weekend because then that sends the wrong message to team members. I remember I had one boss when I worked at American Express, and it didn't make a difference how early I got into the office. Even if I got in at 7.30 in the morning, there were three voicemail messages from my boss. <laughs> so that sense, I'm not kidding you. And I was like, oh, no, come on. I'm up before the sunrise in New York, and I still there's still three messages from her. So I think these are some of the things that are really important in terms of the um, in terms of having the teams be much more renewed. And I think the other one is we need to really get the team, the teams that we work with, around, revolved around purpose. So it goes to Simon Sinek's work, which is what is the why? You know, especially the younger generation, they really care about this why. They want to know they're having a meaningful uh, impact, and they just don't want to make widgets anymore. The name of the book. And they is, have different options. They have different options. I felt like I didn't have a different option. I couldn't go create an internet business if I wanted to. Yeah, there's there's a lot. I think there's a way way more options than people even know that that's in front of them that they oh, could yeah. they could they could take advantage of. And that's the exciting the, the exciting thing about change and uh, how change can be good. The book is the Human Edge Advantage: Mastering the Art of Being All In. Lisa, congratulations on your book, and thank you so much for coming on Prudent Money. Thank you. Oh, I've had such a great time speaking with you, Bob. Thanks so much. Thank you. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. It's really interesting when you think about it, uh, about how much change has occurred uh, since, since COVID, since the pandemic. I was just thinking about even going back as far as the 2008 financial crisis. Of course, I bring that up every once in a while because it did, there's a lot of change that did become of that. And what's so very important, and I think especially today with what's happening in uh, the workplace with, and I meant to ask her and I, I uh, it slipped my mind, is what, what does she think the future of remote working really looks like? And, uh, you know, I, I know that, that uh, many people I've talked, through, talked to through the year, last couple of years, they love the, the idea of remote, of working f uh, from home. And it works out well for them. I, I think there's just so many different dynamics that it presents to the point that uh, you have to manage different, you have to lead different. And that's exactly uh, what Lisa's book is about, The Human Edge Advantage. Mastering the Art of Being All In. More information on the book, uh, you can go to human-edge.com and get more information on uh, Lisa's book. 
But uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, things are changing, especially when you start talking about artificial intelligence and all, all that process. This is Bob Brooks. If you had a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.